Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Collective Podcast. My name is Ash Thorpe, and this is going to be episode 88 with Pixar's own Colin Levy, who joins us this week to tell us the tale of his life-changing encounter with Martin Scorsese and his experience in film school at SCAD. Colin also dives into how the online community has been a tremendous help in pushing him to make his own films and the steps he's taken to make them a reality. Thank you again to Colin for coming on the show and sharing your time with us. Here comes episode 88. Let's do this. Kind of similar spirits we got going on. I think so. I think I know uh, a little bit more about you than you do about me because I've been uh, listening to these podcasts recently. Oh. Which are <laughs> awesome. Oh, I'm glad you enjoy them. And, dude, thank you for being on. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, it's an honor. I mean, you've uh, interviewed some amazingly, amazingly talented people. So, uh, you know, I don't know what I'm doing here, really. Uh, hush, hush now. No, man, no. We, we, I think it's, um, I don't know, I, when I look at your work and what you're doing and, and your trajectory and, and where you're aiming and stuff, from what I gather from the work that you're doing, whether you know it or I, or not, I think that, this is perfect. I think it's perfect. I think it's perfect timing too to <laughs> be able to get access to you before you know you take these before next steps. Before I blow steps. up. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I think you you're already uh, amassing um, your own setting and, and fans and all that kind of stuff, and you're you're obviously growing every day. Um, it's just Absolutely. It's, which is great, and I like. I can't wait to understand kind of what motivates you and inspires you. I think, as you already know, by listening to the podcast. Um, kind of the format it's very free flow and and just really honest and direct which is kind of rare it seems in the podcast arena there's only totally. a couple of them that do that so um but yeah i want you to be able to free feel free to speak about whatever's you're into and we can talk a little bit about pixar but um and i'm and i'm curious about pixar a little bit here but i'm i'm even more curious about um your process of making your films i think that for me I can tell that there's a lot of love and, and care and thought and design and effort put into those. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just rad. I think that there's a whole new era. Oh, I know that there's a whole new era because I'm trying to be a part of it. It's a whole new era of filmmaking and creating content um, without the limitations of um, Hollywood block, big blockbuster budgets and stuff. And Totally. Um, yeah, it's, and you're, you're on the forefront of that. It's kind of amazing. I feel like uh, I was born at a good time. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> we were both were. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I'm happy to talk about all that stuff. I'm, I'm very excited. So uh, let's, let's roll. Yeah, cool. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, we, we can start with um, kind of your upbringing, where you come from, and you know, were your parents artistic? Did they support you? You know, where did you yeah. go to college? Did you go to college? I mean, <clears throat> I know yeah. th I know these information. I know this information, but <laughs> I want the audience to be familiar with you as sure, well. Sure, at the very beginning. Um, yeah, so I grew up on the East Coast, and uh, I guess yeah, both my parents in their various ways were pretty creative and artistic. They're both teachers. Um, my mom teaches piano, and my dad uh, is a professor at a conservatory, and. Um, uh, so he, you know, he taught me violin from from uh, from the age of four, uh, and that was sort of uh, defined our relationship, I would say, from a from an early age. Uh, but you know, they've both been super supportive, you know, as parents and 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 um, very uh, you know just encouraging of creative endeavors. My grandfather is a painter, 
or I would say the you know the true artist of the family. And uh, he's 93 now, and he still paints every day and draws. Wow. Every day. Uh, he has you know dozens and dozens. I mean, probably several hundred sketchbooks that are just incredible that chronicle his entire life. That's so um, cool. And that was yeah, super inspiring. I mean, I think my grandfather is just the coolest guy. He built uh, model airplanes and kites, and we'd fly them, and it was super awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of just uh, did a little bit of getting into a little bit of everything, as you do as a kid. Um, and that included, you know, traditional like painting, drawing stuff. And uh, you know, when I was like ten or so, I got into photography. Um, my dad had a video camera that he was shooting, you know, home videos on. And I, at some point I kind of took that over. <laughs> and so my first like filmmaking experiments were all in the context of like my brother's birthday party or this vacation that my family would, you know, take. I would just grab the home video camera and shoot stuff, yeah. uh, which is just super fun. You know, um, I had two younger brothers. I have two younger brothers <laughs> and, um, you know, they were a huge part of, of, uh, kind of getting into the filmmaking thing because uh, filmmaking is a very collaborative thing yeah. and uh, it's hard to do on your own. And when you have two younger brothers who can boss around or, uh, you know, <laughs> get excited about projects, it's like, why don't we do this? And, you know, just put on the imagination cap and uh, get out in the backyard and, and play make-believe, which was amazing. Um, and sort of from there, I got into, like, I want to be able to do more. I want to, you know, like lightsabers and spaceships and cool like visual <laughs> effects things you know they're possible and like learning after effects you know was like that's that's a big that's a turning point in my life i would say yeah uh and then from there you know getting into 3d um so it's sort of been a gradual thing over time but it was definitely something that i i spent most of my free time you know in middle and high school working on some sort of project or another trying to develop my skills and, and trying to put work out, you know, even though at that time it was like on like GeoCities, my website, you know, back then, um, there were communities online that were incredibly supportive and fostering of, um, of the work that I was doing and uh, work that I would be seeing by other people my age, you know, like 15 year olds uh, that, that I would be super psyched by. You know, yeah. Um, so I feel like, yeah, that that's like a really a crazy thing that I feel like I was taught more by um, groups of people online who I've never met in my life than than I, you know, than film school, for example, because I did go to film school. But that by that point, I had I had enrolled in you know the online world for free. You know, uh, film you know film schools. Uh, I use in a uh, more abstract term uh, sense, but um, you know I've been already making movies for uh, for five or six years, you know, um, and yeah, kind of one thing led to another. I guess I'm going to keep going. No, keep going. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll jump in there, but I want to let you kind of sure, go, and, we'll, sure. and I'll come back and kind of dissect a lot of these little steps and stuff. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, I I uh, I think my biggest project in high school was a uh, was a project called Suburban Plight. Which is a terrible title, which is a theme you will uh, you will recognize because I'm terrible with titles. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it was the first real like ambitious project that I that I did that involved visual effects, you know. And like there was a, a character, there was a CG little, it was like a cross between a deer and uh, an elephant, 
that my dad discovers he is my actor in our front yard. And, uh, uh, you know, like I worked for like a year and a half or two years, you know, on this stupid little thing. <laughs> and um, I reshot a number of times and I started from scratch, like the modeling, texturing, rigging, shading, lighting, you know, animation, like several times until it was kind of up to my own standard at the time because it, sure. it just sucked, you know, for a while. <laughs> uh, you kept and, going at it, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was no deadline. I was just like, ah, it's not good enough. <laughs> what age are you at this point? Um, 15, you said? Let's see. I think I was maybe a junior in high school, so that's more like 17, 18, maybe. Okay, yeah. Almost. Junior, 17. yeah, so like 17. And this is the this is the piece that you labored over, and then Scorsese. Yes, that let you to. Okay, sorry, I jumped in there, but yeah, well, exactly. So I went to I, so I had to decide what school to go to, and that you know I I was pretty sure I wanted to go to a film school, but I liked too many things I've discovered. You know, like I love yeah. animation, <laughs> I love visual effects, and at various points I was like, oh, I wanna, I wanna, you know, I wanna, I wanna be a visual effects artist. I wanna like my my ultimate goal would be to be a visual effects supervisor. I've always been someone who's, who's like, you know, motivated by the long-term goal. Um, and, uh, you know, but I also like animation. I also like live-action film. I like painting and drawing. I liked, you know, like, I t my, one of my favorite classes in college was anthropology. So, like, I wasn't really sure uh, what would be the best fit. Um, but I ended up at SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design. Yeah, it's a good college. I ha there's a lot of really great talent that comes out of that college. It's, it's getting better for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, the reason I ended up there is because they have a, a fairly decent program in both film and animation and visual effects. That, or at least they have, you know, they have those three majors. Yeah. Know? And so I was like, okay, well, at least if I go there, I can sort of figure it out. <laughs> yeah, you can decide from there. <laughs> But yes, as you uh, <laughs> as you uh, mentioned, I um, I guess I submitted. I think it was during my freshman year, like early on, I submitted uh, that movie, Suburban Plight, to uh, among others in to a portfolio for this um, awesome uh, national contest called Young Young Arts, mm -hmm. and um, uh, you know it's just high school work, and it's pretty much it's open to high school seniors and college freshmen. And uh, that's what ultimately, you know, led to this crazy, you know, half an hour uh, where I got to meet Martin Scorsese and apparently he had seen my, my film, you know? Yeah. Uh, and the, and that, funny, the thing I read that you hadn't really seen a lot of his films at that point too. <laughs> yeah. Which is cool. Like, um, it's, I think it's like with hindsight, I think it's a lesson for you just in life, you know, after that, it's like, damn, like be prepared, I guess, you know, or totally or or um, I don't know. I mean, when I read that, I, I felt really similar, not hadn't met not having met um, Martin, but like just not being prepared for certain things and <laughs> being kind of taken back <laughs> by the the moment of the experience and kind of um, losing track of certain things, I guess, if that makes sense. I, not to say that what you did was wrong or anything. I just, I, I, I thought it was really cool that you were open, open and honest about it. You know, like your right. post, your post, all your posts on your blog are very 
honest, candid um, collections of your thoughts or what's going on in your life. And I've posted like six that. times in the last three years. I feel like it's <laughs> terrible. But that's good though. Like when I go through it, not looking at the dates, uh, I, get, <laughs> I get quite a bit of information, you know? So Cool, cool. But yeah, yeah I mean, it, it was definitely, I mean, I think the biggest like realization I had in that moment is like, wow, this guy is, you know, is a real, is a mortal. You know, he's a real human being and he's sitting right there, you know, yeah. and like these these people, you know, who you grow up admiring or hearing about or idolizing, um, they all are out there living their real lives. And, you know, it's it's like people get to that place. Yes. Uh, it's possible. It's not just, uh, you know, like here he is in New York and, and uh, he went to NYU and damn, why didn't I decide to go to NYU? <laughs> <laughs> He's a New York guy though. So. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, it was, um, it was super inspiring, but, but yes, uh, that's what, so I, I, I wrote him that letter, you know, uh, I wrote him a letter that was like, oh, thank you so much. It was amazing to meet you. You, you listed off a billion, you know, um, uh, like, Movie titles, directors, actors, people I've never heard of. Uh, like, do you have a list of movies that I should see? You know, That's and awesome. uh, and he came back at me with thirty nine foreign films that he, uh, you know, suggested. It was like just uh, all caps a list um, of of films that I, I think I've maybe heard of two of them, like Metropolis, and uh, you know, I I, I was. You know, I had good intentions going into it. I was like, "Yeah, I got a list from Martin Scorsese. I'm gonna watch all of these." Yeah, <laughs> and um, I, I just didn't do it. I didn't do it. And uh, so, why is that? Do you think that your your own path and passion just won over the desire to follow his? Or no, it's it's an interesting question. Um, I think that uh, for a long time, I, I would say that overall, I am not a literate person. I'm not film literate. I don't read. I know this is terrible. Uh, but I've been, you know, I guess I always feel like I, oh, I don't have enough time. Yeah. And it's so, it's so not true. It's so not true. Yeah. Uh, and I know how, how important it is. And yet, still, it's like I guess I'd rather be working on my own thing. Sure. And... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I just haven't been very methodical or um, conscientious of like the way that I move through, through the world and absorb things. It's like stuff happens and I see stuff, but uh, I rarely go to extreme effort. Sounds like uh, you're proactive though, like you're proactive on, yeah. at, least, at least you're going for it. Yeah. Well, so anyway, I did think this was a problem. <laughs> I did think so, so like <laughs> fast forwarding for, for a little bit. When I got to Pixar, uh, I, I met a guy who's more of a, uh, a film nut than I am, you know, like film history buff. Sure. And uh, I was like, I mentioned this list. And I was like, what? You haven't <laughs> seen them? You know, it's a travesty. And so <laughs> so we, started, um, we started a film series every Wednesday night. Uh, and we would open it up to the studios. Anyone who wanted to, uh, to visit or, or to, you know, catch the screening um, could, uh, could join. And we would just go through those 39 Wow. In the order, you know, because it wasn't in any like any chronological order, or it was just sort of like the order that came from Scorsese's brain is what I, yeah. <laughs> what I uh, imagined. Uh, so we screened them in order, and you know, it was uh, thirty-nine films, but it ended up taking us over over a year to get through them all. But I have at least uh, gone through that list. Oh, you've um, you've watched them now. Yes. Well, there you go. Um, 
There yeah. you go. Yeah. yeah. It, it just took like six years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but some things they, you know, I think if you were to just go directly and watch them at your younger age or without being in this context of your life now, I think in hindsight, when I look at what you're doing, I think it's fine. I think it's cool. You know, I think at least you did it, you know? Yeah. I'm sure well, Martin would be like, at least, you know, at least this kid actually <laughs> listened. But at the same time, like, knowing what I know of him, he's probably pro you just doing whatever you're going to do, you know? Yeah, no, that's interesting. I mean, I I think uh, it's a little sad how little I can talk about them. Like, I I feel like I watched them, but I didn't, you know, like, I, sure. I wasn't able to really form... Uh, opinions. I feel like the real way to do it would have been to to dive into the history, dive into the context, sure. research these directors, research you know the 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 politics in Italy in you know the fifties or whenever this film was made or whatever. Because um, then I feel like I would have appreciated what made them noteworthy and special more. Because uh. it's always hard to look, you know, look back at at, at like super slow paced old you know. Uh, films that just don't work by today's standards. Oh yeah, they're totally different. Different palette. Yeah. It's a different world. It's a different everything. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's more. I think it is more of an anthropological like study that you're doing as a viewer at that. Yes. Point because you're 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 thinking about what it must have been like. Uh, they're not necessarily good reflections of reality. They're good reflections of film. the culture. You yeah. Know? yeah, the film of that era. And you, I think if you watch some of these, I imagine, I've seen some of these films, and I've, I bet while watching these, I bet you could see the the semblance that Scorsese pulls from these things. That's true. Because he, uh, like any artist, we all pull from our influences, you know? And I think this list, I haven't seen all these films, obviously, but I've seen a few of them, and I think... The few that I'm seeing on the list are, are kind of, they tie in with the themes or the setting or the mood of some of his films. Um, totally. I mean, that's it's, cool. it is really, really kind of exciting when you, when you do see connections like that. Sure. And, and there were, you know, definitely films that totally blew me away. Yeah, know? of course. I mean, that's a different era. I think if anything, it'll just show you that certain magic is still possible, even right. even that far away. The pacing, like Seven Samurai, for example, um, I I didn't watch that until like three years ago, and shame on me. It's a masterpiece. It's it's a fantastic <laughs> film. It's a fantastic story. And, Absolutely. And, and and then I I love watching old westerns, and I after watching that and then a couple others in that genre, I realized how much the western, the spaghetti western, was influenced by these old samurai films and hmm. these tales mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's like you said, it's more of a study of the past, but at the same time, in order to know the future, it's good to know the past in order to understand the footsteps that you can take or what people have done, you know? Right. I'm, I'm coming around to that uh, way of seeing things. <laughs> sure. You're <laughs> you coming know? from like the younger generation of just like 3d and building and just, Pushing going forward, forward. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Not, not really, you know, understanding sort of the history that, you know, like, like I, you know, diving into, oh, what is modeling? Like, how do I, oh, I can extrude a cube. Wow, interesting, you know, yeah. that, that's like more of a coming at it from a technical side rather than understanding the, the millennia of, you know, classic sculpture work, you know, that's been done, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, it takes little time to to see how they are the same do you ever feel overwhelmed like there's never enough time to learn it all 
Yes. Every day. All the time. Yeah. I feel like that every day. (laughs) Anytime I listen to one of your podcasts, I'm like, oh my God, I don't know anything. (laughs) And I imagine going to Pixar and working with all those A-list people, it's got to feel like. Oh, yeah. But you're, it's, it's it's so smart of you to be in that space. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, anyone that you talk to at Pixar, like they have stories and they have like something that they do on the side that's just they're incredible people you know yeah, yeah. and uh and you can kind of sit down with anyone and have like an interesting 2 hour conversation that's so cool uh, and yeah i've been i've been just like blown away by you know the people i find myself working with for sure yeah i think that's just going to that's why i was saying in the beginning of the podcast is i see that if you're the gung ho attitude and passion that you have now with the films and making them and then being at Pixar mm. it's only going to foster your approach to life and your goals and it's just you're only going to get better and you're going to expand upon all these things that you're learning you know well like, I, I, Pixar I, I, hires playlist people you know like that's yeah. that's a fact you know you get a chance to work at Pixar you should take it because you're going to learn a ton right and be proud of the things that you do yeah and exactly it's kind of rare in this day and age to say that you know Unfortunately, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that uh, I just hope that that sort of the the passion doesn't fade away, doesn't doesn't die, and it, it's definitely like it's interesting to me to be working a nine to five job because it's definitely it grates against I think some like the core in some ways of of the way that I'm built, you sure. know, yeah. as a person, and I feel like that's been a you know a major struggle as I've been you know employed here, um, but I feel like all of the all of those things that you just said, you know, kind of outweigh the jobness of it. It's so inspiring, and there's so many uh, opportunities, and there's so many cool people, you know, you're working with on a daily basis. And then, of course, you know, the films for sure. Uh, yeah, you're in you school know, 2.0, like, though. You're in school 2.0, and you're getting paid exactly. to do it. You know, and it's, exactly. just, it's an experience. You're giving them your energy in exchange for an education, which is great. You know. Totally. That's, that's how I would look at it, but I'm not sure, I mean, what your experience is. But I had the same thing. I couldn't do a 9 to 5. I just couldn't do it anymore. But uh, certain companies, I think there's only a couple, and Pixar would be one of them that I'd be like, all right, <laughs> this is, it's time to learn. It's time to, le- it's time to work with some of the best in the world. And I think that what I've, the things that I've learned from Pixar, from just like watching the Pixar story or, and le- learning and reading all these things in the behind the scenes about John and everybody is it's a company that's built upon the idea of, of, of quality and coming up with quality stories that resonate and, and not um, sacrificing those things. And that's a really big uh, thing to do and, and, and a thing to stand upon because in the sea of entertainment, I think a lot of people are just trying to um, Walmart, basically. Like, just get right. it out as fast as possible because we need to make a return on investment because everybody's worried. Um, and I was just... Sorry, I keep bringing this up for anybody that's getting tired of me bringing it up, but it's really great. It's the audiobook on Steve Jobs. It's his, uh, it's his biography, and I just finally went through it. And the ending of it, he has this really interesting uh, approach to some of the, the things that he's learned. And he said one of the biggest things for him about creating Apple was all he wanted to do was make great products. It wasn't about the money. And when Scully came in and took over, he just wanted to make money, and that's when Apple kind of lost its way. And the concept of wanting to make something great rather than wanting to make money was what made it, the company so powerful and big, you know. So those totally. core those core things, you know, living outside of the confines of money and stuff. Which, yeah. yeah, I mean, you don't see it enough, and there's definitely, you know, there's 
there's a business side to to what we do at Pixar, but I you know I think that one decision that really reflected its values, which I thought was just, I mean, super bold and and super scary at the same time. You get a sense of like the risk, the, the risk taking that you have to do. Yeah. But it's it's like when the Good Dinosaur was canceled was uh, was postponed like last year or whatever, uh-huh. like. I could easily see because I saw you know a screening of it. Uh, I could easily see any other you know animation studio moving ahead with it. You know, it's not it's not a bad film. It's just not a great film. You know. Yeah. Um. And and I I feel like that that was uh, a you know a conscious effort to 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 um to be exactly that to to be a studio that does you know put. Uh, story and, and quality. real quality ahead of any other factor. Yeah, that's that's and I, and, and I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things to be said about creating masterpieces and stuff, and that's definitely a place that's created. It's um, a messy process, man. I it's, can't imagine. It's been fascinating to just be on the sidelines and watch these films take shape. Yeah, uh, lightning in you, a bottle, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you really do realize that what what is <coughs> what they say is true, like. These films start pretty terrible. Yeah, of course. All of them. Yeah. And um, very rough ideas, know. concepts. Yeah. Yeah, which which it really has changed my view of how filmmaking should work. Or 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 did you like feel like it films? should start perfect always? Well, or I in guess, it from a good spot. I guess I just thought there were good ideas and there are bad ideas. Sure. <laughs> and now I think that there's no bad ideas. You just haven't kind of workshopped them, you know, long enough. Yeah, like, like effort sometimes can can uh, can can take something that's not working and, and make it work. Yes, and that just um, and I think that's what um, Pixar has managed to do with the ob- the obscure stories is they're finding these weird concepts and story arcs um, that aren't normally typical, like a man, an old man that has a house that floats with balloons, you know, <laughs> but finding himself and dealing with you know the loss. Right. Uh, th- those are key core things, obviously, but the main ideas are very weird and interesting and, and uncharted, you know, right. It's, it's not a, it's not necessarily a princess that eats a bad apple or something, you know, <laughs> which is fine and it works, but I think, um, yeah, it makes sense. I've done a lot of research on Pixar, so <laughs> I have like all the art of Pixar books and stuff. Oh, they're so great. <laughs> I that's remember going great. up there to Emeryville. To, I think it was Oakland. I can't remember. There was an art of show. Um, they had like all the maquettes out and all the uh, the art and the color um, yeah. uh, things. It's just so inspiring. It's just so rad just totally. to see all the goodness people put in I mean, I was, all those pour into it when i was in high school i I, uh, I took a road trip with my friend john and we just hopped in the car and drove up to new york for the art of pixar moma exhibit which i think was the that's first. it that's what i was talking about yeah oh yeah how cool yeah, is that which was super super cool did you think while you were there did you think that you wanted to work for pixar i think so i think that was right around the time like when monsters inc came out that was that was for me that was like that's still my favorite Pixar movie. It's so great. And yeah. The special features on that DVD mm. made this place look like a paradise. Yeah. And I think that's still <laughs> a lot of people's, you know, visions of what it is to work at Pixar. And I was like, oh my God, they do like airplane 
like paper airplane contests <laughs> and runs around on scooters. And what is this monk, this chimpanzee doing? Uh, it was it was kind of amazing. And um, I remember just watching that almost as you know uh, many times as I watched the movie. You know? Sure. Yeah. That's. I think that was the thing. So that's the Pixar story that went along with the Monsters Inc. Right. I think that's what it was. Right. I don't know, but I think there's at least some overlapping between like, the two. Pixar story is more of the di- uh, of a you know feature length documentary in and of itself. That's true. Uh, yeah. But I think there's definitely some overlapping material. For okay. Sure. Yeah, because some of those shots. Uh, I don't know if I've seen the Monsters Inc. behind the scenes, but I do have the DVD. Maybe I just don't have like the the extra bits or whatever. But yeah. Yeah, one I mean, of the things that that I thought is kind of interesting is like that was one of my first experiences, like the process in terms of like putting, like taking a concept or a scene, you know, from from storyboards to the final, mm. you know, um, and uh, it was the first time I was acquainted with the word layout, and these these you know Mike and Sully are standing in like the scare floor and in their T poses and they're kind of rocking back and forth like singing uh, that little bit. Uh, or so help me, or so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, what's that? There's some. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're they're like covering covering up the fact that oh, Boo is you know they're trying to send her back. Yeah. And um, uh, you know it was it was like interesting. I guess like you know you have to go from there from to go from boards to animation. You have to go to this intermediate step, and then uh, several years later, so. You know, I was in middle of film school, and I got this opportunity to uh, direct an animated short um, in Amsterdam. And uh, is that Centel? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but none of us knew what we were doing, pretty much. <laughs> so nobody I mean, had an idea what, what what you guys were doing at all. I mean, from a filmmaking standpoint, I think very few of us had attempted something of the scale. And like, although we were familiar with, you know. Um, you know, I mean, we, we brought in people who are capable generalists, I would say. Um, from a story standpoint, we had no idea what we were doing. And certainly <laughs> from a pipeline, you know, workflow kind of perspective. Sure. Like, like kind of we discovered midway through. It's like, uh, we, you know, like, I, you know, I, I guess I need to do some layout is <laughs> sort of how I remember it. And how would you uh, define layout so people that are listening? Like, what, what is layout in terms of what you've known from then and then how you interpret it with working with Pixar? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, layout, too, ha- has this rich history, you know, um, that's, you know, um, that, and it's defined different ways in different in- industries. Like, visual effects has a layout and, you know, a, a position and uh, 2D animation Traditional animation had this layout stage, which is more based on the backgrounds. Um, but in both cases, um, regardless of what industry or uh, art form you're working with, it is basically thinking about shot design, thinking about uh, where you're putting the camera. If, if you're thinking about it in in those terms, or if you're not thinking about a camera, you know, like what is the perspective? What you know, where are we? Um, and uh, for me in 3D, it's it's shot design, character blocking, figuring out where um, where things are late, you know, in, in the frame, and and then how things move and how things move from one shot to the next. Mm. So thinking about shot flow in the context of an edit, um, trying to understand. I mean, it's really it's it's cinematography. It's figuring out the best way to tell a story visually, best way to communicate what needs to be communicated. Um, 
in a scene. Yes, you know? cutting the fat and pushing things back and all that kind of stuff and laying out in yeah. size and shape. I mean, it's a, it's a dark art, but at the same time, it's a very important thing. Um, I think all Pixar films really pull it off masterfully. One of my favorite cases is in, um, The Incredibles. It's it's a masterpiece of cinema. <laughs> like if you really, totally. you could sit there and study each frame. Each frame is uh, is articulated to the point of perfection. Um, I think it's pretty in, it's pretty amazing storytelling, and it's it's the dark art that kind of for me as when I watch films, it's the thing that just pulls me in, and I. And all of a sudden, two hours passed, and then I go, yeah. "Oh, what was that? That was amazing." Uh, it's very rare. I think it's. I think only certain people understand it, and it comes with the many years of understanding um, all these things that you just mentioned. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think for that film in particular, it's interesting as a case study because uh, it was handled in a very different way yes. than most films at Pixar, especially. He brought uh, in his crew of AE guys, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. It was. It was. Brad was so specific, and he had such a vision. Of course, I was not here for that period of time, but it is something that I've I've heard a lot about. Sure. And uh, there was certainly some friction, you know, that was caused because of that. Um, yeah. Particularly within my department. Uh, but it was. <laughs> but you know what? It's like the movie is awesome. It's yes. great. I mean, from a cinematic standpoint, it's just uh, amazing. So, um, so it, it is like. Uh, it, it does raise some questions because there's there's directors who are more organic. You can you can do a lot more exploration and uh, you know basically you know at, what I do at Pixar. I'm I'm sort of I do think about it in terms like very similar to live action. I'm shooting a bunch of coverage. I'm I'm delivering to the editorial department to the editor a lot more material than ends up in the film. Sure, and they're the ones uh, sort of. Figuring out when exactly we should be on this close-up, or or how uh, we're getting from A to B, you know, to C, uh, even though they're, I'm, I'm giving options, um, yeah. and I think they're all solid options. And sometimes uh, the scene doesn't call for exploration to that degree because it's pretty straightforward. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's certain directors who who love that, who who love trying to find it. And then there's other people who have something very specific that they want to see executed. And if you don't nail it, you know, first time around, you know, that's a problem. It's like, why are you doing this excess, you know, stuff? It's sure, not, not sure. Um, but Brad is formally, I mean, is definitely in that uh, second camp. Yeah, and he and and part of me, uh, I mean, once you get on the line with a, a director like that, then there there is no wasted time because he knows what he wants, and then you know, it's just a matter of getting on that wavelength with that director. Exactly. Sometimes it's good to have a mix of both of those, but yeah, in certain cases, I think that's the brilliance of what Brad is able to bring to his projects, and you can really feel it in his work, from the Iron Giant to the Incredibles, or even like his Mission Impossible stuff. It's like absolutely, you can really tell that there's there's a there's a real strong voice and a mind behind this. You could feel it in Spielberg films too, you know, totally, or Kubrick films or anything. It's just that that art in, artistic intention that's behind it, but um. That's fantastic. That's really fascinating. The The fact that you're putting all this time into just this part of your craft is going to help you and your filmmaking a, a ton, I imagine, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, so I shot a, film, a short this summer and I definitely um, felt like I was, I was angling into it in a different way. I was, um, uh, I don't know, just, just thinking about staging and 
um, shot design differently for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was you know it's very gratifying to realize that you know you you have been soaking stuff in and you are you are <laughs> definitely growing even if, when you don't realize it. Yeah, when you're on set, do you feel like you're you follow in follow into the Brad Bird uh, category? Are you more into the open for you know interpretation? Yeah, well, I would never compare myself to the likes of Brad Bird. Oh, he, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, well, he's, he's his own m- monster for yeah. sure. But I, I definitely feel like I, like I know when it's wrong, and sure. I, uh, I definitely have something that I'm seeing in my head, and I, uh, yeah, I, I, it's usually very frustrating. It's incredibly frustrating because um, it's never quite as good as it, as I see it in my head. Um, but yeah, I definitely feel like at least visually, maybe not emotionally, you know, maybe not in terms of directing actors, but in terms of what I see in the frame, I, I think I've got a a very specific thing that I want to, you know, execute. Yeah. That's good to have though, especially with limited time, budget and team and effort and all that stuff. You got to kind of know what it is that you need to do pretty quickly, I would imagine, or yeah, I mean, I, I uh, for this latest short, I didn't quite have enough time, but is this I. The secret uh, number is that the one you're talking about? This is uh, something I've shot since then. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. Which is it's more of a proof of concept, you know, piece sci-fi. Okay. Which I'm pretty excited about. Um, proof of concept. So you're taking this all this effort and then you're pitching it to like a bigger company to go for a feature. Is that what it is? Uh, that is the goal. Like I have nothing lined up. <laughs> sure. But you're just going I'm, for it. Like it's definitely, uh, instead of telling a complete story, uh, it's, it's more of a, it does function more of as a teaser, mm. you know, however, if, if nothing ever came of it, I think it's something I would still be super proud of. It's just, it does sort of leave on a cliffhanger like, okay, what's going to happen next? Uh, seems like you deal. like to do that with your storytelling too. Yeah, it's a little bit of a problem. <laughs> no, but I think that there's there's an interesting thing to it. There's like this uh, unresolved resolve, I guess. There's mm-hmm. this, there's a question at the end of it. Um, Hitchcock does a bit of that kind of stuff. Or there's a lot of directors that. Um, yeah. Everybody I mean, has their own style, right? Right. I mean, I I feel like I have um, fallen into some something that uh, that that works, but like I I have this over reliance on twists. That I, you know, like, why do I have to have a twist to, to like, why do I need to write something that it's like, what? Uh, I think that's before. a, that's a young film direct, director saying though. Yeah, maybe. I, I, well, like when I watched the secret number, um, I guess because it's obviously math based and focused on these interesting, um, because math is amazing. It's a really interesting thing to, to build a concept on. But uh, mm-hmm. one of my uh, favorite films is Pi. It's totally. Aronofsky's first film. Uh, out of school or, or when he was in school but I'm fanta- it's a fantastic film and um, I felt that there was some semblance between that and a lot of things though there was some Scorsese in there too I noticed like <laughs> just in the shot setups and lineups and, and the flow of certain things and the rhythm of things you know which I thought was red uh, just my opinion you oh, know, thank so. you man oh, yeah it's cool like it. like um, I don't know I, th- I found there to be some really interesting things that you were playing with and I could definitely tell out because I watched I watched all of them. I watched all your films, and I and I can definitely tell that the secret number for me felt like it was the recent film for you, uh, ah. based on the choices and also like the level of production. But I don't know. Is that true? Is it secret number the newest one, or is it in root? Is I that- mean, I feel like um, 
That's an interesting question. I, I mean, I feel like none of them are up to my own standards. Sure. Like, of course. none of them really represent what it is that I want to do, mm. you know, when I'm, like, directing-wise. Yeah. But uh, I would say that En Route is probably the most, like, personal in a way, even though it's kind of abstract. It's like, I think oh, far too much about, like, the concept of, of, of time, you know, like, the that a decision I make today could influence, you know, the trajectory of my life. And what if I've, I spent a lot, far too much of my life thinking, what if I did that instead? Like sure. big decisions, you know, years back, uh, which is not necessarily a productive thing, but fascinated by that, by that idea um, that, that I think I, you know, uh, captured fairly well in, in the, in the film. I feel like, um, I'm really proud of Sintel and the emotional impact it's, it seems to have had mm-hmm. on a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm a, looking at the secret number. I'm sort of just like puzzled by it. It's like, why did I make this movie? <laughs> well, I, you're, you're set, you mentioned you were watching like you're looking through Reddit and found this interesting article about yeah. Bleem, the number between what three and four or something, or four and five. Right, three and four. I mean, the thing about that particular origin story is yes I found this short and I thought it was I thought it was really um, like quirky and fun and funny like yeah. I was chuckling to myself and uh, I totally killed that tone like this is my film takes itself very seriously so <laughs> I don't yeah. know I'm, I'm uh, that's I guess maybe maybe that's what I'm puzzled by is like the thing that I the way that it react that I reacted to that short story was not what I tried to translate. It seems you know? like, yeah, but I think that's a common thing that a lot of filmmakers go forward into. Like, I feel, even in my my own work in aesthetic, like, I, I can be a super silly, goofy guy, but for some reason, my work usually tends to <laughs> le- lean on the heavy side, even the yeah. very dark and obscure side. Uh, but I don't know. I think that might, for me personally, I think it might be, um, I don't know, like, maybe it's, like I lack, like to make a great comedy or make something like that is is something I'd love to be able to figure out, but it's just right. not within me. But it's interesting to hear you say that because I look at some things too, and I look at it very confused and perplexed as to why and how, <laughs> like <laughs> like almost like an outer body thing. Like who made right. this? Uh, right. Yeah, what is this? <laughs> That's really funny. I mean, I absolutely like some of my favorite films are incredibly. Uh, like emotional dramas, you know, like, I don't know. Like, what I, are some I, of your favorite I, films? Well, I I, like I, you. For some reason, this is coming to mind at the moment. Like, uh, I bawled like a baby, a mil, mil, million dollar baby, you know, the Clint Yeah, movie. that's a good one. Like, yeah. For some reason that has always stuck with me as like, Oh my God, this like, it was one of the best like movie going experiences I, I had. And, uh, I would never want to make a movie like that. Yeah, it's so heavy. Yet there's so many uh, films that affect me so deeply, or or just I love. Yeah. That I are you know it's just not in my wheelhouse. You know, in terms of like what I get excited by making. You know, I'm sure. excited by watching that, and like I always think it's great. But uh, I mean, my favorite films like this year, my favorite movie is actually one that I think is exactly my taste. And that is, um, don't laugh, uh, comes. Edge, it of, comes. Edge, of, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. 
I felt like that was a that was like a film that was able to make fun of itself and have fun right. in the world, and it didn't take itself like Christopher Nolan serious. Right. Because I love I Nolan films too, but I feel like everybody's feels that they must. There's a trend right now to make a lot of money and to be popular is to, is to be on his level, and it's. Um, I think people forgot, and I thought with Edge of Tomorrow, I felt like they were really having fun. Right. I mean, the gravitas, I mean, it's really interesting, actually, because I think there's a, a trend against it now, like what you're yeah. saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. with all the Marvel stuff, you yeah. know, more light and bouncy and, like, you know, self, uh, self-aware, self you know? Yeah, yes. Um, which, is, which is cool uh, to see. I, I think that, like, if I were to, like, get a chance to make something like um, Edge of Tomorrow, it would end up darker than I want it to be, you know, like, sure. Like so I definitely tend towards the Nolan, like, Oh, this is, you know, serious shit. Let me, be, let me be dramatic and let me, you know, do this, uh, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's cool to be cinematic and, and weighty, you know? Sure. Uh, but sometimes, yeah. Like well, it, it's like painting, you know, it's like, you can, you can, uh, I feel as a, when we, when we explore these things, it's like we're taking baby steps and, it's it's un, it's not until later on we realize that we there's other colors in the spectrum that we can play with you know <laughs> right. it's the emotional spectrum because really films and that, those kind of things is is the combination of all arts you know that's the beauty of it and that's also the challenge of it is combining all those things and making them harmonious and and seamless so that the experience is 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 unique and usually it's just really rare even directors that make masterpieces I think they don't under, even even understand how to continually make those you know <laughs> and you can see it many times and many of the the directors that we admire and love uh, through the time, they don't consistently make that same powerful push every time, you know. But they try. Some of them can do it, but not all of them. Yeah. But Edge Edge of Tomorrow was uh, a lot of fun. You mentioned uh, a a movie that you cried with, Million Dollar Baby. Have you seen Blue Valentine? Have you seen that? I have. Yeah, that that one, that was the last film that I remember watching and crying because the emotional push because of how honest it was of a relationship that falls mm. apart but mm-hmm. it was like a very it was a very well executed heavy film um yeah like like brilliant like heavy film but that's yeah. an, that's another film i wouldn't want to make but i really appreciate its existence you know because yeah i guess the thing is like i wouldn't i wouldn't know how like you have to be I need to get better at working with actors. You know? Yeah, yeah, that, that director's really good at working. He had them live together and, and all that stuff too while they were making. I it mean, that stuff. that is true magic. Yeah, you know when you can we can make something like that work, uh, and it's yeah when it comes across because just knowing what it takes to make a movie, the fact that anything feels honest and truthful and real, you know, is just. Uh, an achievement. And oh yeah, because it's not at all. There's lights and there's like 40 people watching this thing happen. It's it's absolutely the opposite of what you see. Yeah, I mean, like uh, to me, the the thing that's craziest is like the ratio of time uh, between like setup and like the time that the movie is actually. It's like between like the duration of time that a take is rolling and all the other things that have to be you know done to to get to that moment. Yeah. It's like hours and hours and hours and hours, you know, versus uh, sheer, like, slices of 30 seconds where a take might be rolling. And it's <laughs> so hard to see, to you know, in context to just um, 
imagine this story playing out when you know actors have to go back to the trailers and like, you know all this waiting and <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's heavy. It's, it's heavy stuff, crazy. man. And imagine even the world that you work at with Pixar. Even um, I was recently watching Tintin again, which I really loved, and even just the part of that crazy action scene in Tintin where he's flying around and all that stuff. It took. I guess apparently I've heard this is a rumor, but they that whole sequence took seven years to make. <laughs> i'm like dude i i i want to make like so many things in seven years like <laughs> the last thing i want to do is like one continuous shot in an animated yeah. but at the same oh time God. like spielberg is a very busy person i can imagine but right uh, but at, when i was in the theater and i was watching it i was just like what the hell this is so awesome like yeah. action on top of action on top of action like overdose such a fun totally spielberg like just going <laughs> like going for broke this is what he wanted to do when he was like younger and you just finally getting a chance to make it and i'm enjoying it you know totally i mean i'm definitely floored by that kind of stuff by like well i recently watched uh panic room for the first time you know mm. it was like one of the few fincher films i haven't seen yeah what do you think and of that I, I like it i mean i'm a i'm a fincher fan for me sure. too i love fincher stuff have you seen gone girl yet i have i yeah. felt the gone girl and panic room were similar yes in Actually, his spectrum of filmmaking yeah I, yeah i can see that yeah um, yeah, I mean, both very intense. Gone Girl, I think, is you know far more successful in some ways. Sure. Um, book but, is really fun. Like, I don't know if you've checked out the book. Oh no, I I didn't. No. The book makes a lot more sense for the film. <laughs> I think that film was made for the people that read the book. To be completely honest. Interesting. But sorry, I, I feel like it totally worked. Yeah. You know, having had, n I like I. I knew nothing about it going in. Well, that's good. Yeah. But sorry, you're mentioning that's got to be its own challenge just to adapt oh, God. You know, material that, if you, you know, in a way that does it um, justice, but also works. You know, if you haven't read that source material, it's got tons of internal dialogue, and so I was really concerned of how he was going to pull that off. And there's a lot of things that were there and faithful for the, to the book, and then a lot of things that were kind of slowly shifted and changed. And mm. it's a challenging thing. And the in the book is a it's you know it's how do you how do you really when I was listening to it I was visualizing it through the eyes of Fincher because I love his stuff and I study his stuff probably more than most directors and so I was really seeing the film and a lot of the things were very faithful and a lot of them were not at all to the book and in a very interesting way though the choices that he made but when I was listening to the book I felt like it was almost unfilmable so <laughs> because of the the amount of work so much in, yeah interior yes. you know dialogue and he had the I think he had the lady uh, who wrote the um, I forget her name. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah she yeah. wrote the screenplay, right? Yeah, I think that he should have had two people do it personally, just like Eddie, as he did with Chuck's Fight Club. He had a screenwriter uh, uh. adapt it, and I think that's because if you read the book Fight Club and then you and watch the film, they're different, and the screenwriting is a whole different process, as as you already know as well too. Like you, you do you dabble with a little bit of that stuff, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's limited, another dark very art. Very limited success. <laughs> it's a that's another dark art, right? Oh my god, it's the darkest of arts. <laughs> yes, it's it's, but that's the key. That's the core of what we love is comes from those stages, and it's weird for me too to know and see um, in films as I know it in the pr in the process of production. Now it's like one of the one of the process bits that is the least amount of, uh, of money invested. But it's the most totally. important thing. And that's the thing that's opposite about, I think, with Pixar, if you think about it. I guess there's a lot, from what I understand, there's a lot of time invested into story. Absolutely. A lot of resources, a lot of effort put into story. I mean, it's, it's uh, working on, on the short that I've been working on this year, 
it's been like I've been pulling my hair out, and I don't know if I can if I can really be a writer. But it is interesting that the Pixar process, I think, has changed my understanding of what writing is, mm. or, or what story is, or at least um, I think that like. Uh, and, and now there's a renewed emphasis on on writing within the studio, but uh, for a long time, I mean, like Bugs Life, I don't even know if it had a script. You know, they jump into <laughs> yeah. boards and they 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 watch their films visually. You know, put up reels of the of the whole thing, tear it down. You know, uh, make sweeping changes, uh, and that's sort of their writing process. And that is just an, an amazing tool. You know. It's it's like whatever whatever you can do to sort of pre-visualize the film that you're trying to make is uh, is valid. It doesn't have to necessarily be words on a page. Um, but like yeah, I mean, I, I definitely uh, uh, that I would say is the hardest thing I've ever done creatively is write this stupid short, you know, <laughs> this stupid concept. And when you see it, yeah. whenever it's done, because it's probably how far away are you? At least a year, man. At least. Yeah, good for you though. <laughs> I I really admire your 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 you're inspiring me because I'm doing similar stuff. So it's really cool. It's cool to see that you're pushing forward, you know, and you have the nine to five and you have all yeah, these other obligations, well, you know. It would be so much. Like I listen to your uh, your podcast with uh, Beeple. Yeah, yeah, I love Beeple. Like, Mike is great. He's so great. Uh, <laughs> I had I've not seen any of his work you know it's not familiar at all um but like the fact that he's he's got these you know every single day yes. puts out a piece like what yeah that's ridiculous inspiring and incredibly inspiring and um i wish that there was a little bit more of that sense that I, you know like making a film is such a slog it's such it a is. marathon you it know is. it's not a it's not a sprint it's an absolute marathon yeah yeah, and you have to be ready for the long haul, and I think it's a it's it favors the people that are disciplined, personally, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm not disciplined. Me neither. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm pretty damn disciplined in the most people's eye. Like I am very rigorous about timelines and notes and and lists. How are you? Are in are in lists? Are you big on lists as well? Like I I make all sorts of lists. But I, <laughs> Do you I, stick to them? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm yeah. constantly writing down lists. It, it could be on you know in my sketchbook or I like I keep a to do list digitally as well or in Wonderlist I use a bunch of like I create notes in Wonderlist all the time. But it's like it's just sort of uh, getting it out rather than something I refer to a lot. Oh, I mean, okay. I try. I mean, sometimes I have a daily list. This is what I'm going to accomplish today. Okay. But I'm, you know, I'm constantly writing stuff down. I'm just, uh, I mean, when you talk about discipline, I think the main thing I have going for me is how terrible I feel when I'm not being productive. Sure. Well, you're possessed <laughs> then. Yeah. It's a possession. Right. That's a very common thread between uh, lots of creatives that I know that um, it's like a guilt, right? Self guilt. Uh, right. <laughs> if you don't, if you're not like I, I have, I've tried to explain this many times to my wife because we're we come from polar opposites as far as where our passion is driven from, and and she doesn't get you know, and I get it. She's getting it now after six years of being <laughs> together. But why I would stay up to four o'clock, right? Uh, pushing pixels around, but it it's like I'm possessed. You know, I must yeah. I must continue to do this because it's a part of the things that I must do really, you know, it's like, if I don't do, if I don't work for like a day or something and if I just feel horrible. Yeah. 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 It sucks. So you, you work until 4am, you know, like not all the time, but it's sometimes like last night I was or till three or so. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were doing the nine to five thing, 
would you be able to do that? Yeah, so it would just, I was just very, uh, I call it a diva. I was being a diva about everything because I was just really pissy because I wasn't right. able to get, you know, we need sleep. And um, right. I was denying myself of that. I'm, I'm 31 now, so I'm feeling the effects of lack of sleep um, more. It's not like I'm old or anything, but I'm not 25 or, you know, like when I was in my 20s, early 20s, I, I was invincible, really. I could just eat, bur- I could eat burritos. I would never gain weight and I would just do whatever the hell I wanted. I would sleep a couple hours, just do whatever really. But now I have to be very smart and regiment and the family and everything. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, that that is, that balance is really tough. And for me, like if I compromise sleep, I'm just, I, I turn into the worst person. Yes. I can't. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I think also like biologically, I just need more sleep than most people. <laughs> I Which, used to think that. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I feel like those who can survive on four or five hours, they have a superpower. They do. That I hate them. Like, legitimate superpower. <laughs> because I need eight, like, at a minimum. If I get less than eight, you know, like, those people are, are living more of their lives than I will be able to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I love sleeping. I mean, dreaming is cool and everything. But yeah. <laughs> now, if I had a choice, I would like to be able to. I would like to get the the, the equivalent of what eight hours feels in an hour. So right. I, could, I could work, you know, the the, the twenty three hours in the day, or be around, or be active. But um, well, why why sleep at all? I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I would I would wish it away. I would be like, uh, you know, that would be. I, I like. Uh, I have a, a running list of lame superpowers. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that would be a lame superpower that I would love to have. That's a cool one, and that's a premise for a cool story to have as well. Yeah. You know, like it's just these little uh, worlds of possibilities. You know, you could be invincible. You know, <laughs> you could really you could possess more power than many people if you were smart about <laughs> it. But at the same time, I bring this this quote up that I don't know. I never heard it, but I just it's something that I I always imagine when I think about. Um, difference of people is is the richest man and the poorest man are all in the same currency and it's time so we're all we're all feeding towards this time is really what's defining everything and what you do with the days i bring up a couple of books that you might like that might uh, encourage you because i they were turned on to me by really successful people or people that i admire or even on the podcast and one of them was vitaly and he brought up this book called eat that frog and it's basically about like breaking down all your essential goals into like bite-sized pieces and, and a method like methodic way of doing so and that's really changed my game the past couple of years after that book that's and awesome it's really great I, i'm creating I, a note in evernote yeah i think i'll send you a link to it and i'll just tell you to buy it and if you don't buy it in the next couple of months i'll just buy it for you and send it to you because <laughs> i and i think you should i think it'll really shape your game if you're having a hard time like getting these things kind of set up for yourself it's a game changer and if you don't end up getting to it too i have cliff notes of it so there you go and it'll that that there's no excuse at that point and then one other one is called manage your day-to-day i bring it up all the time in here but um it's one of those books that like i said it's taken my game from like a b level to an a level because of the way that i like handle my priorities and the things that i do and where i put my time and stuff and yeah those that's are just, awesome yeah. You know, for me, it's it's uh, it's really frustrating because when I have had stretches of free time, you know, like yeah. basically the freelance lifestyle, like that's when I'm suddenly like I have this great opportunity, which is time, and then I I'm really bad at making use of it. Uh, but now, you know, I I am balancing a, a you know uh, a job with long hours, and like I. Uh, I, I only have such a, a, a rare 
window of time to make progress on my own stuff. So I've been uncharacteristically good recently at dedicating that time to stuff that I care about. That's awesome. Just because it's so rare. You know, sure. Yeah. You're getting that piece, that chunk for yourself. Yeah, that's good, and that's a challenge to do. But you know, you'll find your own rhythm. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's yeah. From week to week, it changes. Like uh, a few weeks back, I was like, okay, if I get up at six a.m. and put two hours <laughs> of work before, or two or three hours of work before coming into work, sure. And then maybe maybe if I go home over my lunch break, that's yeah. that's great. You know, I could do <laughs> that. Lasted for about four days. <laughs> yeah, it's challenging to do that too. And I think for me too, I find that there's so much work to do that I, I bite off too big of a piece and it makes it so that it only lasts four days, you know? Right. But if I say, you know what, I'm going to give myself an hour every day, no matter what, it's an hour. And I, and, and I look at it, I always say like, um, I train jujitsu too. And, and it's really challenging to get better at jujitsu every day is a grind. And I, and I always say to myself, whenever I'm in doubt, I say like every day I get 1% better. Hmm. You know, as long as I'm getting 1% better, I'm making growth. That's awesome. And that's the marathon mindset, you know? For, and totally. it's, that's opposite for me. And I, I imagine I feeling that I have a similar thing to you where I want instant gratification like now because <laughs> I wanted everything in my life like two weeks ago to happen, you know? So <laughs> totally I'm one of those people that are like that. But I've been training my mind to be a little bit more patient and willing to deal with things yeah. as they come. And I, I guess that's another trait as being a director uh, that is uh, admirable that I've seen in other directors is the patience and the ability to deal with because when you're on location and everything's going wrong, that's basically what's happening. Everything is going against the thing that you want. It's very right. rare that anything, it's like, oh, now it's raining, or the my main actor is, is sick and he's throwing up, or there's this right. this, this place, I can't use this room because um, the janitor is cleaning there. So, you, know, you never know. There's <laughs> Everything in the world is throwing it at you and going, hey, how, how much do you want this? You know? Right. And, and yeah. And you're there saying, I want this badly, so get out of my way, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's less patience and more persistence. Yes, it's persistence. What are the three traits you think that a great act, a great director um, attributes to great work? What do you think it is? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Uh, persistence is, I think persistence is something that, like, you need, like, for sure. Uh, I don't know if it's one of those first three things. I think that, you know, like making a movie independently is a very different experience from making a movie like in Hollywood. Like sure. if you're handed a gig, a lot of things just happen, you know? And so like the the labor of putting a production together when you are nobody <laughs> yeah. is is it's very different than the than the you know what the craft There's a template, yeah, there's a template in the Hollywood template. Yeah. Right, right. So I think I don't know, like I think you have to have you have to have taste. You have to have, you know, I, I don't know if this is a, uh, uh, like, a characteristic. I mean, it is. You have to have, um, I think, high standards, a taste, you know, really something, like, you have to be, have a vision for something. I think you have to have emotional sensitivity, you know? Sure. Like, you have to really feel. You have to be empathetic, I yeah. think. Um, and uncompromising, maybe I don't know. I mean, yeah. you gotta. You also maybe maybe it's the opposite. You have to be good at compromise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the reason why I ask you because I when I study these people, these actors or directors or any of these great people, I, I always try to distill the main three things that made this thing possible. Because yeah. usually it, when you break it down, there's just there's a core 
there's a core three or five things that really attributed to something success, like the main core thoughts. And those are some of those things I think with the directors I mean, I and think assistants that, and stuff. Um, uh, those three things are probably different for every director, but it's, it's the combination so. of when, those three that work for them, you know? Yeah. And the timing of such and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Setting yeah. it up. Yeah, it's a very... Uh, I mean, Kubrick and Michael Bay are very different and both <laughs> are very, very successful in yes. their own right. You yes, know? very successful in their own right. And they, they reach a different audience tono- tonally, you know? And I think I think the difference between them is 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 um there's many differences obviously um but one of the main differences i think is is the taste right you know it's totally. like it's their taste and their direction as to where they want to go um but I, at the same time i think it's there's they both have similar ingredients they they both get what they want and make it happen in some right. de- some degree but it's just a matter of how they figure those things out, you know. Right, their their method to get there, you know. You can be a tyrant on set, or you can be very small and under, you know, understand and surround yourself with people who who are sensitive to to that, you know. It's yes. like a, it's definitely a, a, a personality dynamic, you know, uh, putting a team together. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> it's a whole another thing. It's a whole another spectrum, and it's all about communication and 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 conveying ideas. I think as a director. Um, one of the main things I think is communication really, you know, whether you're communicating with your audience or you're communicating with your team and how well you do it in the matter of time that you do it is really a display of how good you are at what you do, you know? Totally. Have you, that, cons- go ahead, sorry. That would have been the right answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> have you, have you um, considered entering any of your ideas into this Disney like short film thing that you guys are doing? Um, yeah, actually, uh, I mean, you're talking about like, Theatrical shorts and that kind of thing. Yeah, well, um, I know that there's some kind of like you guys have like a short film like enter thing because like there's the last one. I don't know, I'm not sure if they're doing it at Disney or if maybe or at Pixar. If maybe it's more of a Disney thing, but um, like the last one was with uh, Big Hero Six that right Feast Feast yeah, yeah which was wonderful. It was really beautiful. I love totally. the the style. Lucky, I, I worked on Lava um, this year and got to work really closely with with Jim, the director. Wicked. Um, so I was the, the camera lead on that, um, and uh, getting super, you know, close to to what that process is. Definitely, like that's been a long term goal of mine. And actually, since you mentioned it, I'm planning on uh, basically I have a, a meeting with development in January, so I'll be pitching some ideas and we'll see for what you. happens. Good for you, yeah. man. I'm, yeah, I think it's uh, super competitive, and uh, but course. I gotta throw my hat in the ring, you know. That's good. You, I think it's important to do, you know, and I think that that's all a part of doing it, you know, is is throwing yourself out there. And the funny thing is, you never know what who's going to pick and how they're going to pick it, and what mood they're in, and if they're into clouds one day or they're into super <laughs> monsters the next, you know. It's, yeah. And it's in and whether it does whether it gets picked or not, as long as your your heart's in it, it's, you're going to make it somehow, one way or the other, you know. Totally. There's a ton of talent there. It's it's amazing to see what yeah. actually comes out and, and flourishes and grows and becomes something. It's, it's it's a really long haul. Like you know, making a career at Pixar is like you know, it's a twenty or thirty year uh, commitment. You know, if yeah. you want to rise up to to those creative heights. Yeah. Um, but it's it is amazing the the reach and the like the 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 freedom that you have or uh, at least. You know, like fi- financially, like the, these shorts are so well supported, and these features, like it's it's probably one of the best places, you know, to to be making movies because 
um, it is such a, a, a really well-oiled machine, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you don't have to deal with, like, production challenges that are pretty normal out there in the real world. Like, yeah. even just getting people, finding a budget, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's already an established thing. One thing I, um, and I'm, I'm sure you probably have to go soon, right? Uh, yeah, probably fairly soon. Okay, let's try and, um, I just want to make sure I'm aware of your time, because I know that we were running a little bit over. No worries. Well, like 15 minutes, is that okay for you guys? Uh, 10. 10 minutes? Yeah, 10 minutes. We'll do it. wrap it up in 10 minutes. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Well, I was, um, I was thinking about the structure of things and how things get done. And like you said, the, 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 the well-oiled machine. And I think that there's also something that's, um, there's, there's a characteristic about a, a place like Pixar that I think it, it's, it's, it's designed to, to encourage, um, collaborations but at the same time encourage free thinking and i and i see that there's going to be probably a lot of companies that spawn out of the efforts that pixar creates you know Mm. um because as companies grow and they get bigger and bigger they become something that they don't know that they become you know and and in in a good way and a bad way you know and i find these things to be really interesting i find it um just i'm I'm amazed that pixar is as a company is, is still managing to crank out hit after hit because they're just uh, there's such great such great um stories that still come out of a studio as big as it is you know and i think and i don't know like as part of the culture there for you has it been i don't know where i'm going with this question i think i'm there is no question really just yeah i mean it is willy wonka (laughs) (laughs) chocolate factory style it's it's hard to really analyze or break it down. You know, there's definitely lots of factors that can kind of contribute to the the thing that it is. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, great movies come out from all over, like like um, you know, How to Train Your Dragon tr- two. You know, both both the first and the sequel, great great films, but not not the size in terms of box office as a you know. A Pixar movie, generally, you know, and that was like some of the best. Um, like DreamWorks has put out a number of movies, and some of them are better than others. But like, why is it that that uh, that box office tends to be, you know, um, pretty good? And and that's not necessarily the only measure of success. Sure. Uh, for yeah. Pixar, but it is like the brand. I think has a lot of power, right? Oh yeah, uh, of course. You know, everyone wants to see the next Pixar movie, um, and I think that. It, it is really interesting to see, I mean, working here, you know, the, the this place does, it is a pretty uh, introspective company, you know, there's lots of thought and effort being put into like, what, like, what are the problems that are happening now? What, what is working? What is not working? And for that reason, I think it is pretty healthy. Uh, but at the, on the other hand, it's, it is, it is big and it is constantly evolving and there's so many factors that are just um, invisible, you know? And yeah. so I think it's, it's, it is, um, you know, every, I think we are in, you know, in a different era than the Pixar of even five years ago. Um, and I don't really know how to articulate what that is. Um, but it is, uh, it is something that is felt and um, uh, I think being, you know, um, talked about a lot. Um, and, you know, to your point about, it spawning other things. I think that that is definitely the case, and um, you know, a lot of people who I've uh, 
either worked with now or worked with in the past or been aware of who work at Pixar are off. Many of them are off doing their own exciting things. Um, you know, like the the art directors Dice and, and Robert Kondo uh, uh, went off and, and made a short. You know, came back to Pixar for a little bit, and then and, and now they're uh, you know they had such success they're nominated for an Oscar with that short, The Dam Keeper. Um, uh, that they're you know they've they've decided to kind of pursue to keep going with that that kind of work. Um, so it's very exciting to see what they do and and. I think there's lots of stories like that. I mean, Pixar is is full of just uh, people who are making stuff happen. Yeah, so. absolutely. And it's an A-list crew, you know. The best in the world are the best that they can attract, and that must be really special for you to, to be a part of that, you know. Totally. I wanted to ask before we go, especially, uh, sure. about about the work that you're doing. And, and like um, you said, that you're trying to get a little bit more into the, the, the film, uh, the short film Mm-hmm. side of things yeah yeah um yeah i'm doing a lot of things um right now i'm writing a script that's really crazy it's on the it's on the fringe of i guess donnie darko and a fincher film and not a fincher but a david lynch lost highway so it's, <laughs> he falls into that weird thing you know what we're talking about maybe the younger filmmakers uh approach to things so the story is very abstract and interesting and there's it's, i've never heard of seeing anything like it necessarily so it's kind of i feel good about that real estate it came from a dream so there's i'm learning how to write basically and understand um how to make a captivating story and i tell it to my friends all the time and they're nice enough to sit there and listen to me and encourage me <laughs> so that's fun and I've, i'm f- figuring that out and working with um talking with like bigger studios like Fox and, and different companies like that to see if there's an interest. And then also like my lost boy thing, which is a huge right. project that I've been working on for a while. And that's awesome. Lost boy. I mean, that seems just, you know, based on the little bit I've heard about it, it seems sort of like this amorphous, uh, thing that this kind of, that you're allowing to evolve and turn into something. Is that accurate or is that that's exactly it. it? Yeah. It's all coming from passion. It's all coming from some place of passion, and I'm not trying to dilute it with anything other than just passion. Yeah. So it's 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 <laughs> like where it's like as a kid, you know, when we sit there and we we're sitting and we're drawing innocently as a child, and and there's no concept of the only thing you're worried about is like uh, just drawing, you know, or going to ride your bike, or you know, your GI Joe, or whatever it is, and. I'm trying to go back to that child self and 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 bring it out because I've I've spent so so many years now like helping other people in their projects and mm. I've forgotten who I am through that in a sense and I want to go back to who that child is in a sense mm. and that's amazing. That's where I mean, the love is. That's where the that's where everything comes from. You know the innocence. Uh, is, I, I, I think so. I personally think so. I mean, with yeah, with what I with my work, I'm I'm definitely like I've never had more fun than I had with my brothers making you know shorts in our backyard. You there know, you go. when I was in middle school, and like that's it's definitely the energy still comes from from that and those experiences that's exactly it that's exactly I, where i'm going yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I i see it in other people and and uh like you know the guys that created teenage mutant ninja turtles ninja turtles like they were very much in the same line of just creating something that they enjoyed and having fun with it it's the same thing for me it's very similar in mm. this state like i watched the documentary uh like a month ago and i got chills because i feel very similar at their beginning stages, you know, 
um, it's the challenge, it's the most challenging stage, but at the same time, it's the most fun stage. So I'm just trying mm-hmm. to take it a day at a time and enjoy it and, and, and grow it. And, and it's like, I can't say much about it, but it's growing. It's getting bigger every day. There's a lot of big things happening with it. And, um, Dude, that's very exciting. It's very exciting. I'm excited. Thanks hey, for what, asking about it. What's that uh, documentary called? Uh, I think it's called the Ninja Turtle Time, or it's, <laughs> it's, if you Google Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle documentary, okay. Um, I, I know you'll love it because if you like these kind of things, it's right up your alley. It's it's their story about how they made it. Also, like I bring it up a lot is um, Todd McFarlane has a documentary about when he started out, and I. I I relate to his journey a little bit too. It's called The Devil You Know. Cool. Todd McFarland, Devil You Know. It's it's a uh, it's like the second link on Google. There's a okay. whole like link to it, but yeah. And before we go, I want to know a little bit about where you're planning on going. What are what's your five year goal? Like what where when I talk to you in five years, what are you going to be excited about? <laughs> <laughs> I wanna uh, I wanna. Five years is a long time, man. It's also it not is. that long. It is not long at all. <laughs> yeah. And how old are you, actually? I forget to ask. I am uh, 26. Okay. Damn, you're a young guy. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, and I would love to somehow be in motion on a on a feature like like I've that's that's been this sort of this the ceiling that I haven't you know like I've uh, at this point I've made dozens of shorts. I love shorts, and I would totally make them for the rest of my life if I could find a way to support myself doing that. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely the next big, you know, the next big goal. And I'm—I have no idea whether it would be in live action or animation, um, whether it would be independent or uh, sort of, uh, you know, a, a, a bigger production. Um, but I—I I would love to be directing a feature film in five years although that is happen. you can do it very unlikely no nah, uh, don't sell yourself short we'll see what if you had <laughs> what if what if you found out you only had five years left in your life you know you then i probably like wow that's interesting then i'd probably uh i would probably change what my goals were yeah <laughs> if that was the case i would just be i would just dive into something else yeah yeah I mean, either a short or whatever, but I would be making something so, rather than preparing for some future. Exactly. Which is maybe a good lesson to learn. That's what I learned from Steve Jobs' book. Totally. When he found out he was terminal with cancer, it was a it was a device. Death was a was a device to help him realize that he only had a certain amount of time. Yeah. And what to do with it, and I found that, that fascinating. That theme. Uh, also, like in the, his Stanford commencement. Oh, it's speech. beautiful! It's some powerful stuff. His three stories. They're wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you know, when I looked into the mirror and I said, you know, uh, I would ask myself, like, what, what do you say? If I, if today was the last day of my life, would I do what I'm about to do today? Exactly. And yeah. whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, yeah, that's when I have to change something, something it, like that. It's exactly it, and yeah. you can you can feel it when you use a product that he's been a part of. Like it's it's. You you know it. It's you can. That's the thing. It all distills back down to that those core things, you know. But you'll do it, man. Just make it happen. <laughs> and if you need any help or uh, motivation, let me know. Cause dude, well, <laughs> you're providing a lot of it through this uh, this very podcast. So thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me and for yes. for doing it. Cause it, I know it's you know it's a big project and it takes uh, 
commitment uh you know on a regular basis yes sir going, so yeah no thank you it's and it's a joy it's 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 you know it's a, it's a win-win for everybody so but totally. thank you so much for being a part of it and yeah congratulations on everything and being a part of pixar and all your sh- films and everything and um we'll have links to all your work as well um if there's anything in particular that you want us to post up with the podcast just let us know and we'll be sure Sweet. to put it up there awesome cool sounds good thank have, you so much <laughs> thank you so much have a wonderful day and it's great getting to know you have a good you one too. yeah see you buddy and there you have it thank you guys for listening in uh you guys can find links to colin's work and all the show notes for this week's episode at the collectivepodcast.com slash 88 you can also find links to our facebook and our twitter and uh please help us out rate the show on itunes if you have a moment it's at the collectivepodcast.com slash itunes Thank you guys again for listening in and have a wonderful day. Go make something amazing. Peace.